This is Annie Stevens Gleason, Minister for Worship and Incorporation at the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I'd like to welcome you to our worship podcast. Greetings and good evening. This is Reverend Gary Lubin serving as deacon with the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome to our daily devotion in the early evening for individuals and families, which can be found on page 139 of the Book of Common Prayer. Our reading today from the Daily Office is Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 17. Now, let us begin our worship together. O gracious light, pure brightness of the ever-living Father in heaven, O Jesus Christ, holy and blessed, now as we come to the setting of the sun and our eyes behold the vesper light, we sing your praises, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are worthy at all times to be praised by happy voices, O Son of God, O giver of life, and to be glorified through all the worlds. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, The wedding guests cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old cloak, for the patch pulls away from the cloak, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. Otherwise, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. The Gospel of our Lord. Good evening. The first part of today's Gospel reading describes the time Jesus calls Matthew the tax collector, to be a disciple. Tax collectors in that time and place had a nefarious reputation, looked down upon, highly disliked. They were seen as collaborators with their Roman conquerors who ruled their homeland with an iron fist, considered traitors of Israel. Tax collectors were considered to be unscrupulous extortionists lining their own pockets by levying much more in tax than that actually required by Rome, and which was a practice allowed by the empire. 
willing to change, to be changed, Matthew drops everything he was doing to accept Jesus' invitation to follow him. A repentant Matthew turns around on a dime, so to speak, to invite Jesus into his heart and also to invite Jesus to a great banquet at his house. Matthew's colleagues, acquaintances, and other social outcasts were there too. I would imagine it was a motley crew. And it goes without saying that there is no way the Pharisees or scribes would be caught dead going to such a scandalous affair in the company of all those sinners. Naturally, Jesus is challenged by them regarding eating with such low-life sinners. Well, Jesus likens himself to a physician to heal the sick. He prefers hanging out with those who need to be cured. Jesus quotes Hosea, the prophet, to them. God desires mercy, not the sacrifice of birds and sheep and goats and bulls, and certainly not to harm people, but to heal them, to heal them. Mercy is something freely given without being asked and blesses both the giver and the receiver. Surrounding this sumptuous celebratory feast, the question is raised regarding fasting, focusing on the failure of Jesus and the disciples to fast. The different behaviors of Jesus' disciples and that of the disciples of John the Baptist and the disciples of the Pharisees are compared. Jesus' disciples eat and drink, and I might add, are very merry to be in the good company of Jesus. In contrast, the disciples of John the Baptist and the disciples of the Pharisees frequently fast and pray. After all, fasting and prayer was a regular practice in the Jewish way of life. Furthermore, the disciples of John the Baptist were in no mood to celebrate at all because John had been arrested and is now in prison. And we know how that turns out, don't we? Regardless, Jesus exploits this occasion as a teachable moment to distinguish who he is and what his ministry is all about. By a direct comparison to not only that of John the Baptist, but also, also to the long-established religious order. The bottom line is, both are being simultaneously supplanted and fulfilled. Using the example of a wedding, Jesus invites them to celebrate in the now of that moment while he is still with them and to save the mourning and fasting for later when he is not. Jesus' example illustrates and makes crystal clear that the times, they are a-changing. A new age is coming. The reign of God, the kingdom of God, has broken through, has arrived in person. Jesus was breaking through as a force of love incarnate. 
of renewal of what was wrong with the world, exampling grace, mercy, and justice. In other places, Jesus likens the kingdom or reign of God as a heavenly banquet where those invited who refuse to come are displaced and or replaced by the most unexpected of people who've become guests instead. The poor, the cripple, the blind and the lame, outcasts, the least, last, lost, littlest, left out and lonely. They may seem to be unlikely candidates, but according to whose rules? There is a certain degree of spontaneity in these stories that transcends and trumps the orthodox. Those who were graciously invited declined because they had other more important, better things to do in their lives. It seems that they overanalyzed the situation and misread the invitation to love, life, and freedom. They thought too much. They brought too much baggage to the table. Now, as difficult as it is for me to personally swallow, it seems like it is better at times to act with your heart and soul, your gut feeling, rather than intellectually with one's brain to try to figure things out. Isn't that what really happened with Matthew at his conversion experience? Quit miserly counting chump change and let go, let God. I recall the wisdom of Ecclesiastes. Everything has its time. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. Speaking of sowing, in order to embrace the new, one must let go of the old to lose it, even to throw it away. Do not many of us have a garage or an attic or a basement full of junk we need to dispose of or give away? And what is cluttering up our lives? Is this not what Jesus is getting at with the short parable of the new and old garments and the new and old wineskins? They illustrate, don't they, the futility of patching an old garment by sewing onto it a piece of unshrunk cloth. In Mark, Jesus says it this way, No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old cloak, otherwise the patch pulls away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. A very similar thing happens with wineskins. Both the new and old are destroyed. These stories show that faith embodied in Jesus is so radically new that it fulfills and replaces all that has passed. Not that there is no value in the old. Being there in my life, that is to say, I am compelled to admit that I am now classified as officially old. I am glad that there is a certain value in things that are old. However, in today's complicated and contentious world, 
The church is facing a challenge of authenticity, meaning, relevancy, and relationship, including intimacy. Across the board, thinking the church is old and outmoded, outlived its relevancy and usefulness. People are, you know, speaking with their feet by not following the established order. The nuns, they are prevalent and they are right on. According to his book titled, Do I Stay Christian? A Guide for the Doubters, the Disappointed, and the Disillusioned, Brian McLaren points out that the church and all the denominations thereof are having an identity crisis, struggling with these very issues. There are three chapters titled, No, Yes, and How. In the No chapter, he addresses some very ugly history leading up to our present time. History of colonialism, white patriarchy, including the foundational sins of slavery and genocidal behavior toward indigenous peoples, toxic theology, denial of science and anti-intellectualism, seeming inability to transform and meaninglessly grow in the spirit, In the Yes chapter, he postulates reasons for staying, including all the available options, even though all denominations have their own unique challenges facing them. The main reason to say yes is Jesus' embodiment and message of love. Love expressed as grace, mercy, and justice, to give hope and real joy, to heal. This kind of love transcends time and place and space. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. poignantly captured this in a handwritten letter he wrote more than 50 years ago now, but to me still seems like only yesterday. And I quote, Love is the greatest force in the universe. It is the heartbeat of the moral cosmos. He who loves is a participant in the being of God. End quote. Or as Genesis puts it, made in the image of God. We are made in love to be loved and to love. And love is expressed as grace, mercy, and justice. In their song, Because, on their album, Abbey Road, the Beatles sing this. Love is old, love is new, love is all, love is you. Amen. And now a reading from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians. It is not ourselves that we proclaim, we proclaim Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For the same God who said, out of darkness let light shine, has caused his light to shine within us to give the light of revelation, the revelation of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let us now say together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now to today's collect, proper 22. Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we to pray and to give more than we either desire or deserve. Pour upon us the abundance of your mercy forgiving us those things of which our conscience is afraid and giving us those good things for which we are not worthy to ask, except through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Now let us take some time pausing our worship together, if you would like to do that, to offer up our prayers of intercession thanksgiving and praise for the world, for the church, for our national life, for the social and natural orders, for family and personal life, and in particular for those who are suffering and those who have died. Let us now pray the collect for the human family, which is found on page 815 of the Book of Common Prayer. O God, you made us in your own image and redeemed us through Jesus, your Son. Look with compassion on the whole human family. Take away the arrogance and hatred which infect our hearts. Break down the walls that separate us. Unite us in bonds of love and work through our struggle and confusion to accomplish your purposes on earth, that in your good time, all nations, all peoples of the earth, the one human family may serve you in harmony around your heavenly throne. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us pray the collect for the social order and social justice, which is found on page 823 of the prayer book. Grant, O God, that your holy and life-giving spirit may so move every human heart and especially the hearts of the people of this land, that barriers which divide us may crumble, suspicions disappear, and hatred cease, that our divisions being healed, we may live in justice and peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray the concluding collect found on page 139 of the prayer, of the prayer book. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, stay with us, for evening is at hand, and the day is past. Be our companion in the way, kindle our hearts, and awaken hope, that we may know you as you are revealed in Scripture and the breaking of bread. Grant this for the sake of your love. Amen. Now go in peace, hope, joy, to love and serve our God, in the name of our teacher and Savior, Jesus.